Welcome to the Horse Talk Show. You never heard of a talking horse? With your host, Louisa Barton. I want to be a famous rider. Presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Truth is, I help horses with people problems. Now here's the Brit with the bit, Louisa Barton! Yeah, baby! (laughs) Welcome to the Horse Talk Show, presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. I'm Louisa Barton, in the studio with my co-host, top equestrian Paulette Stout. Who's cold as usual? Oh, freezing. Freezing. <laughs> I'm fortunate not to have that problem. <laughs> Got a great show lineup for you. Um, our guests today are actually joining us by phone, and uh, so we're going to start off with some news, uh, and then we are going to celebrate National Tech Week uh, with one of the techs from Peterson and Smith. Going to share a little bit about her life. Uh, we're going to talk to Mallory Rickoff in the second segment. Then we're going to be chatting to a. Um, quite well-known jockey that uh, Lisa and Bobby Bolger have connected us with at Monmouth. Uh, we love talking to these jockeys that are up and coming, and uh, he certainly is a shining star, so we're going to have Jose Ferrer on the show, which will be very nice. Then after the break, when we're switching it over, and we're going to talk a little horsemanship, we're going to have Butch Maudie with us on the show, which will be very nice, equine kindergarten, going to join <coughs> us for a segment or two, and then we are going to close it out with a visit to the Gypsy Gold Farm for segment two, or episode two, I should say, of uh, our wonderful visit over there to check out the number one thing to do in this area, also like number four or five in the whole of Central Florida, including all the Disney parks, and the place that's in the top 10% in the world of things to do on TripAdvisor. So it's a wonderful experience. Everybody should go to the Gypsy Gold farm tour it's just absolutely beautiful and he's uh, so innovative and done so many amazing things and um, Paulette of course is a big fan of the Gypsy Vanna Breed yes I am she rides one quite often mm-hmm. you might see him at uh, the Ocala downtown market on the 29th of October for Horseween which actually in, costume. Meant, uh, in costume because he is the magnus- magnificent, the great Oz, the wizard. And I'm trying to decide between Dorothy and the Scarecrow for me. And I'm Alphaba. 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 I will be green. <laughs> I'll still be green. Fully green. Greener than the green screen. Green, yeah. Going to start off with some news before we kick it off. Um, Winx, who is the Australian superstar and actually superstar worldwide, having won $26 million in 33 races had uh, her first foal delivered and very sadly it passed away. So um, our thoughts and prayers go out to everybody connected to Winx. Um, I was devastated for her. We don't actually know um, the cause. Um, I think that stillborn is what we heard, but we don't know if that's actually um, a fact. Um, But we are going to honor the wishes of the owners and respect their privacy and I'm sure when they're ready they'll release uh, the rest of the information but we're very sad um, we're always very sad to hear about any uh, any of our four-leggeds passing <coughs> away but certainly and that mare won how much money 26 million dollars she won 26 million yeah she won 33 races she was was that all in Australia or was, was it global she won lots and lots I mean I remember not obviously not following her as closely as I do the North American um, horse bred horses because I tend to follow that more but 
um, on social media, I would often see, oh, she won again, she won again, she won again. She's like one of those amazing super horses. You know, Zenyatta was an amazing horse, and you know how we felt well, how about old her. Is she now? I don't know. She's been around for a few years. And we this can, is her first we can baby? Google it, yeah. Yeah, because she retired in 20, 2019 or the end of 2018. But yeah, that was her first foal. And um, I Am Invincible, I think, is the sire, the foal. I Am Invincible, I think. Um, an Aussie sire. And uh, just an amazing champion horse. She was just incredible, beautiful, and just made it's me really sad. amazing. Oh, she's nine. Nine years yeah, old. Yeah, she's nine years old, mm -hmm. yeah. And I Am Invincible, yes. Leading freshman sire in Australia for 2013 and 14. Um, later sired a record 28 stakes winners in a single season. Made me very sad. Anyway, prayers and thoughts out to everybody connected there. And, um, you know, we certainly hope that if she is able to get back in foal again, that in the future she has lots of wonderful babies because we'd certainly like to have a lot more horses like Winx. Uh, Hall of Fame thoroughbred horse trainer Gary Jones passed away at his Del Mar home at the age of 76. It was announced on Monday he was having heart problems. He had been in hospice care. So um, we also want to put our prayers and thoughts out there to everybody connected uh, with, uh, with his family there. Very, very sad son of legendary trainer uh, Farrell Wild Horse Jones, uh, who took over his father's stable in 1974. Um, lots of surveys going on in England about the, uh, the COVID-19 coronavirus as we uh, as it's known lots of studies going on about the anxiety it's caused people in the horse world as to whether or not they should exercise their horse whether they should go to the stables whether they should hang out with other horse people whether they should be at the barn or not um, and in England they've actually had a quite serious lockdowns compared to what we've seen certainly in Florida because we're very fortunate to have a governor that has not had us incredibly shut down for long periods of time. Um, but over overseas, I know the lockdowns in many other countries yeah, have been the, quite severe. Colombia's been really bad, but they're, they're so close and there's so many of them, and their places that they live are on top of one another. Yeah, so that's true. They had to have a license in their hand, and the license on their car had to match in order to go grocery shopping one time a week. Wow. I know that from friends down there. I'd be panicking. I'd be out stocking up and feeding <coughs> hay. I'd be at Larson's and Seminole well, they they stocking up for months. <laughs> but if they didn't do that, they wouldn't sell them the food. So they had to abide by it. Really? Yeah. That's super strict. Can you imagine us? I don't know. But when I was down there, the, they're so close to one another. I would imagine that the spread would be catastrophic to hospitals. Yeah. I'm sure you're right. Mm -hmm. I know when my daughter was in England and they were locked down in the earlier part of the, this year, they were, only one family member was allowed to go and get mm -hmm. items that they needed and everybody else had to stay home. Walking the dog was permitted, but otherwise you had to stay in your house and you even had to wear a mask in your house and your family. Yeah, so, and I know a lot of countries have done that. So I know a lot of people have had, uh, had anxiety and I know that I'm most sure. of us who have horses know that horses are therapy for us. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, just a, uh, been a really difficult time for them, much more difficult than uh, certainly than we've had it here. Yeah. Um, Britain has done a study on you banging your head, which <laughs> I wish they had done this when I was a kid because I fell off and banged my head a lot, which <laughs> explains a lot. Um, they've actually done a study now where they can tell the science can actually tell whether or not you banged your head enough to be a serious 
brain bleed or lesser, just a bump that you know is going to go away. Pretty interesting for horse people. And it was actually developed by scientists at the University of Birmingham. Wow. And I was born in Coventry, <coughs> which is just up the road from Birmingham. Um, it actually used a spectroscopic technique called surfaced enhanced Raman scattering. Interesting. A beam of light is fired at the biomarker, which is taken from a pinprick blood sample prepared by being inserted into a special optofluidic chip where the blood plasma is separated and flows over a highly specialized surface. The light causes the biomarker to vibrate or rotate, and this movement can be measured, giving an accurate indication of the level of injury that's occurred. You know, so if you fall off and smash your head in, <laughs> they have and you the answer and in you England. don't have a helmet. Yes, you just can't, please wear your helmet. You just can't go over there and get it right now. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's still in research mode, so. Yeah. Uh, in our next segment, we are going to be talking to Marjorie Rickoff. She is from Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. It's actually National Vet Tech Week. So if you have a vet tech, you should be celebrating them. Get them some chocolates or something nice. Oh, wow. Maybe a little gift certificate for dinner. We'll be talking to Marjorie after the break. So stay with us on the Horse Talk Show presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. We'll be right back. Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. 
for listening to the Horse Talk Show. Back on the second segment of the Horse Talk Show presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. I'm Louisa Barton in the studio with my co-host Paulette Stout. And joining us by phone, we have Mallory Rickoff from Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. As I mentioned before, we're celebrating National Vet Tech Week. And uh, Mallory is actually the managing treatment technician. Um, she's certified, that's why she has a CVT after her name. Mallory, welcome to the show. Thank you for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. Let's start off by having you tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, I grew up in the Chicago suburbs and I've slowly been making my way away from the snow ever since. Um, I rode primarily off the track thoroughbreds growing up in the local hunter-jumper circuits, um, basically anything that anyone would let me ride. And I went to school, I think I graduated in 2009 um, with my CVT, and then I went on and got a bachelor's degree in animal science from Southern Illinois University. Wow. Wow. So you got all the qualifications. Yep. <laughs> wonderful. How long have you been with Peterson and Smith? Uh, I started with them in January, so just coming up on a year now. Wonderful. So what kind of made you decide to be, uh, I'm kind of going back a few years, a couple, couple years here now, but when I was a very, very little girl, like probably three or so, I decided I was going to be a veterinarian. But after I discovered that sometimes I might have to put an animal to sleep for its own good, I was, uh, knew I'd be crying more than the owner. So I just decided it was probably not for me um, because certainly there are sad times when that has to happen. And, uh, but, you know, I worked for a little while at a small animal clinic uh, as a vet tech, and I really enjoyed that unless there was an animal that was very sick. Um, but I really enjoyed that, um, just having that interaction with the uh, four-leggeds uh, so much. What sort of drew you to this as a career? Was it something that started very young for you? Yeah, you know what it was? I was, like I said, I was riding horses from probably about the time I was three, but I was always that kid that wanted to rescue and help mm -hmm. any kind of animal that I came across, um, even like insects and bugs and whatever it was, I wanted to try to help it or rescue it or keep it, much to my parents' dismay. Uh, <laughs> yes, the key but, thing, you know, that's always been my problem too. <laughs> exactly, and I, I just never really grew out of it. So as I got older and was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, I just research different opportunities and how I could stay working with animals and hands-on every day and I landed on the vet tech. Incredible. So tell us a little bit about what your role is at Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital, sort of what you do every day. Um, well, my main goal is basically just to ensure that we continue to provide the highest quality of patient care possible to every horse that we have in the hospital. Um, and that a lot of times entails being hands-on and actually performing treatments and helping out, you know, with my fellow techs. But sometimes it's scheduling, making sure we have proper coverage. Um, so just a little bit of everything day to day. And how many technicians are there there at Peterson and Smith? Um, in our treatment technician department, we have 10. Wow. Um, and then I'm not sure the exact number of ambulatory techs, but we do have a full roster of ambulatory techs, I believe six surgery technicians, and then we also have lab technicians that help run blood work. Oh, my gosh. Um, so we're spread out everywhere. Yes. <laughs> what is a technician's 
actual role? What do they do in the hospital? You mentioned a few different things, labs and ambulatory. Can you kind of go into those in a little bit more detail and tell us about, um, I, I know the ambulatory techs actually travel with the veterinarians um, for those that have a tech. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about their role and why they're so important? Yeah, absolutely. So ambulatory techs, like you said, are typically partnered up with one specific vet and they learn everything that they need. You know, they keep their truck stocked. They know how they like patients to be handled when they roll up at a farm. They keep them safe while they're doing things. You know, a lot of times you don't necessarily know the horses sometimes that you're going out to see. Um, so they've got to have really good horse handling skills, but they're... You know, they drive for them a lot of the time, so they're kind of their right-hand man or woman doing things for them. Um, our surgery techs are responsible for setting up for surgeries. They assist in surgery. Um, we have techs that run anesthesia during the surgery, keeping the horses asleep so that everything can get done, and then assisting with recovery as well. And then our medicine or treatment techs, which is who I primarily kind of manage and oversee, um, they set up for appointments, set up for emergencies, any kind of routine treatments that the horses need while they're in the hospital. They're responsible for doing um, monitoring just their general welfare at least every hour or so during the day, making notes, things like that. But you um, have techs that are 24 hours, right? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yep, we are there 24-7, 365 days a year. We've got a crew that's there, you know, until... 4 30 or 5 and then we have people that come in and we are there all the time to monitor whatever patients that we have in house because you could have fluids fluids and medications every two three hours or anything like that yes I, I actually distinctly remember a couple of years ago one of my closest friends had a um had a snake bite and she uh her horse was actually bitten in the head um you know very close actually to the muzzle really and um and she called me and she goes Peter and Smith's the one you're always talking about, isn't it? And I said, yes, yes. And she said, I said, what happened? She said, you know, smoke got bitten. And um, I, she actually rushed him immediately in rather than, you know, wait for the vet to come out because she thought he might need hospital care. And she took him in. I went in to see him while he was in there. And he made an absolutely amazing, miraculous recovery. But they mm -hmm. did everything so perfectly. She said, you know, um, she said, you, 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 you sent me to the right place, but I distinctly remember the text. Every time I went by to see him, when she went by to see him, she was like, oh, the texts were right there. They were right there. You know, they were all the time right there when he needed fluids and just support care, you know, when he needed medicine. But she said, oh, every time I went, there was a tech. And, and actually, I took a photo of one of the texts because she went in the store with him because smoke's a, an absolute love. And she was hugging him, and she's like, oh, he's so sweet. We love him. <laughs> so it really matters, you know. I mean, you want to have a great relationship with your veterinarian, obviously, and you want a, uh, you know, a qualified, uh, uh, excellent veterinarian. But the tech is a really important part of the huge. equation. Yeah, huge. Mm -hmm. Because there's so much supportive care that goes into to hospitals that without techs, it's like nurses in a hospital. You see your nurses more than you see your doctors, correct? <laughs> so get, so yes. the horses see the techs a lot of times more than they see the doctors. Yeah, that's why I think a real, um, a real love of horses. You know, you mentioned <clears throat> um, riding off the track thoroughbreds and loving horses ever since you were little. I bet that's a really important part of your job, isn't it, that you care so much? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And when you get, you know, the tough cases or 
things that are going to be a long recovery, it's nice to know that you're in there and you can kind of learn their preferences a little bit, get to know their body language and, you know, maybe catch something quicker, you know, so you can head it off or help ease their recovery a little bit. So that's, it's a huge part of it. And I think every tech that's in the barns would say the same thing, you know, we're there for the horses and for the love of them. That's why we do what we do. Absolutely. What's your very favorite part of the job? Um, I really like foaling season. I love having foals come in and they can just progress so quickly in leaps and bounds and you get to see them, you know, kind of grow up and get better and act like normal foals should act. And it's great. It's very rewarding. It's a lot, a lot of work, but it's very rewarding. It is. When they first get up on those wobbly little legs, uh, they are just such a treat. Well, there's so they? much stuff that happens oh, yeah. in foaling season. It's incredible. I know. So. It really is. It's amazing. Wonderful. Is there any last thing you'd like to add at the end of this segment, Mallory? Um, I don't think. Just thank you for having me. I really appreciate being able to talk with you guys today. Lovely. Well, happy National Vet Tech Week. We're very grateful to you Thanks. and your team at Peterson and Smith for always caring so much and taking such wonderful care and the horses appreciate you too so thank you for being with us. Thanks so much. Thank you. Petersonandsmith.com you can go check them out on the website uh, you can also call them if you have any questions 352-237-6151 very grateful to Peterson and Smith you know, for their I had, support over the years. I had one years. of my gypsy vanner foals there. Did you? Yeah about a month or so ago from a little infection oh. that could have um, killed him. Oh so thank God for them. Yeah. We got to wrap up this segment we'll be right back we're actually going to come back with Jose Ferrer so stay with us on the Horse Talk Show. This show is presented by Peterson & Smith Equine Hospital, one of the top equine hospitals in the USA with services including ambulatory, surgery, sports medicine, reproduction, and with doctors on call 24 hours a day. Check them out now at petersonsmith.com. The opinions of the hosts and guests on the host talk show are not necessarily that of Peterson & Smith Equine Hospital. This show is brought to you in part by Summit Joint Performance, promoting a healthy, thick synovial fluid, decreasing inflammation in the joints and improving the cushioning properties of the cartilage pads. All age horses can benefit from Summit Joint Performance. Our Facebook broadcast sponsor is Larson Farms. The Larson Farms mission is simple, to be the leader in quality and value. Richard owner of Larson Farms is committed to a positive attitude, integrity, dedication, quality, and teamwork. Larson Farms is committed to being your supplier of Idaho's finest alfalfa, a complete line of mixed and grass hay. Larson Farms, Idaho's finest alfalfa. This show is brought to you in part by Tack Shack of Ocala, the horse lover's candy store proudly offering customer halters, race tack, whips, blinkers, belts, dog collars, and more. Tack Shack of Ocala, one-stop shopping for all your horse needs. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. You're listening to the Horse Talk Show. Back on the Horse Talk Show, presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Thank you to Larson Farms and broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. I'm Louisa Barton in the studio with my co-host, Paulette Stout. And joining us, special guest, Jose Ferrer, better known as Pappy to most people around Monmouth Park. A great friend to Lisa and Bobby Bolger, who sends us some incredible guests to talk to. I'm very excited that Jose has actually had 
over 4,500 wins in his racing career. He's a very good Christian guy with a wonderful family, and um, we're very glad to have him on the show. Welcome to the show, Jose. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much. My pleasure being so. Thank you so much. Tell us a little bit about you. How long have you been riding for? Uh, 37 years. I started in New Jersey uh, back in 
So uh, uh, I have to keep going uh, for a little while because, you know, I got a young fellow. You know, my son <laughs> loved him. You know, you see everything about him, about racing. The both my wife loved the racing. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, I got a couple of, you know, friends, uh, uh, young friends, to keep me going. Yeah. You know, like, you know, I give all the, all, you know, all the, all the, all the you know, I feel, I feel a lot of energy back for you know, my wife and my two children. You know, the way they see me, uh, they scream and howl, you know, the feedback. It's like my personal energy bunnies. You know, I got big going over there. Yeah, so these energy came to myself. I see them, how they smile, and then I have a, the pleasure and the happiness they got. And that gave me going, that gave me that, all the energy. Um, you know, I mean, I pray the men upstairs to give me going, to give me more energy, you know, between all these people behind me. You know, you could do anything, the whole, you know, you could do anything uh, you, you might put into. Absolutely. You know, that's why I'm 56. Last week, last Sunday, we went five. Um, right now, I'm a leading rider, you know, for the male lines. Me, I'm apart right now. So I'm doing, I'm, you know, I'm doing great. And, you know, to uh, have the Lord on my side, I'm, I'm, my energy, I'm a tree, uh, energy bunny behind me, I'm going to keep going. Yeah, that's right. So in 2019, yeah, in 2019, you actually had a bad fall and um, you fractured yeah. your C3 and you cracked some cracked some ribs and uh, yeah. and got yeah. hurt. Talk a little bit about how how you made a comeback after that because that is something that riders uh, sometimes have to face in this sport and uh, and it can yeah. be it can be tough on you. Very dangerous. Absolutely, 54. I went down. I got three uh, uh, vertebrae broken, eight ribs, my lung collapsed. I was in physical for a week, came and take a two-step walking, mm. but uh, I gave everything to I was playing a lot, I don't think I'm going to go back. They told me six months, I'll be back, maybe. So, a lot of praying, a lot of praying. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Amen. You know, condition, mm -hmm. I think that being such a, you know, the way I was, physical, you know what I mean, uh, 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 but you have to be mentally strong, too. Because when somebody told you, you, I don't know, you're going to be able to come back, uh, you have to be prepare yourself. I'm, uh, I'm focused harder. Um, uh, I was I was back in two months. I was back in two months. Ri writing. It's I was amazing. writing in two months. That's amazing. Uh, they told me six months. Yeah. They told me six months. But I tell you, a lot of pray. A lot of people was praying with me. You know. And I think when so many people pray for you, you know, it's, it's a miracle thing. The power of prayer. Amen. The power Absolutely. of prayer. Yeah. Uh, I'm telling you. No hey, doubt about have, that. How you did it? Amen, right. So what about what about one little tip or advice that you would give to younger jockeys that are up and coming that want to want to get where you are and, and win 4,500 races, what what would you tell them? Uh, positivity, be positive, work hard. That's the main thing, work hard. Don't give up. Um, uh, uh, stay with good people, aren't you? That's the main thing. I think if you are surround with good people, family mm -hmm. is very important. You know, I'm a, if you're around the circle with really good people, mm -hmm. you know, around you, Especially in the male stairs, a lot of playing, uh, a lot of uh, uh, sacrifice, because this, this is really tough. You have to sacrifice a lot. Mm -hmm. But if you run in a, in a, in a bubble with mm -hmm. good people, aren't you? Uh, you do the right thing with positive, 
you accomplish anything that you could write for a long time. Wonderful. Yeah. Jose, I want to thank you so much um, for joining us. We're wrapping up this segment. I want to wish you all the best. God bless you and yes. your family. I and uh, love I to see you uh, I when I... shout out my wife. Yes. I, I want to, to get my wife. I Steffi. Love her. Yes. I love her. I love her. I love her. <laughs> yes. Wonderful. She's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful, Steffi. You take care. I shall come and see you at Monmouth thank Park. You. Yes. Thank Not you, Jose. Yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank bye -bye. you. Jose Ferreira, thanks again to dear friends Lisa and Bobby Bolger who send us some great people with great stories. The media missed that one, and they don't miss much, but they missed that one, right? Mm. Uh, <laughs> a great comeback for him with his win after that accident. Incredible power of prayer, a man of great faith, and uh, certainly positive, uh, and a great healthy lifestyle will help. We'll be back in the second half of the Horse Talk Show in just a few minutes. Stay with us. This show is sponsored in part by All In Removal. Like jockey and horse, shavings delivery and manure removal go together naturally and are the green natural solution too. All In Removal offers a great way to save you money combining the two services of quality pine shavings delivery and manure container rental and removal. Great service, great quality and the green choice too. Like All In Removal on Facebook now or go to allinremoval.com for more information. Nirvana, Ocala's premier medical spa, is leading the way in great skin with all the newest in treatment options, offering prejuvenation for younger clients and rejuvenation for all ages. Nirvana knows you want to look your very best, but we've all seen people with the telltale signs of too much work. We want you to look like you, just better, brighter and younger, with all the newest and best in technology and all in the most beautiful surroundings. Like Nirvana Medical Spa on Facebook and find them on the web at nirvanamedicalspa.com. Become a better, brighter and younger you. Happy, healthy horses live in fly-free barns. Don't allow annoying flies and mosquitoes to cause disease and health issues getting between you and your horse's happiness and health. Get your fly misting system now from Acres Pest Control. With over 20 years of pest control experience, family owned, licensed and insured. Get your free inspection with Acres, the best for your acres. Check them out now at acrespestcontrol.com. That's A-K-E-R-S pestcontrol.com. This show was brought to you in part by TT Distributors, dedicated to bringing their customers the largest selection of quality horse supplements, products, and farrier supplies in Florida at affordable prices. Also online at ttdistributors.com. Welcome back to the Horse Talk Show. You never heard of a talking horse? Well, listen to this. <laughs> with your host, Louisa Barton. What does it feel like to be in love with a horse? Presented this hour by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy store. Now, here's your pretty, pretty Louisa Barton. You're fab, you're switched on, you're a bit of old right. Yes. <laughs> Back on the second half of the Horse Talk Show, presented by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy experience. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. Can I just tell you that the last couple of weeks have been so busy, I have missed getting to Pulse Center of Ocala. And can I tell you, my body is feeling it. Equestrians, it is painful when you don't make it to get your pulse therapy. Uh, everybody should. Pulse Center of Ocala, you can find them online. They're local, you can go and say that you watched the Horse Talk Show. 
that you would like some pulse therapy and uh, you can have a free demo. Give them a call and set it up. You'll love it. And if you get in there at least once or twice a week, you'll feel a significant difference in your overall health. Switching it over now to a little bit of horsemanship. Uh, we have a special guest, Butch Maudie, joining us by phone from Equine Kindergarten. Butch, it's lovely to have you on the show. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, yes, it's lovely. Thank you for joining us. And we have Paulette Stout here with us, my co-host. She'll also be uh, asking you some questions. We saw one of your videos online. Uh, we saw a gypsy vanner, and Paulette is a big gypsy vanner rider and fan. So uh, that was kind of a, yeah. a nice one to watch. But tell us how you got started out horse training, Budge. Um, the, the truth of the matter is, is it just evolved from first I was a buckaroo and taking care of cattle out in the out in the northern nevada desert and a few other different places and, and and watching the guys that could get the stuff done with very little effort just caused the guy to want to get to refinement wanted to there's easier ways to do things and so as i got around more and more of those good horsemen it just became a way of life and there's no other way to be actually <laughs> That's true. How old were you when you rode your first horse? Uh, my God, I've been riding since I was a little bitty kid, so I don't even remember. Uh, I, I remember riding horses when I when I couldn't run very good. <laughs> well, now when you were out in the desert in Nevada, and you're working with horsemen out there because you're working a lot of cattle, what is it that you noticed? What was what made you say what you said? that you noticed well, things the re the reality of it is is the horse is a part of the deal and if you spend all of your time telling these horses what to do you never get the performance that you do out of the, the good horsemen ask and they set things up and if they ask the questions correctly the horses respond with as good a performance as you can possibly imagine there's probably been one heck of a lot more fancy show pen runs made out in the desert than's ever been made in show pen because there was a reason there was a job get something done and then kind of give your horse a scratch and walk around until there was something else to do and the horses got a chance to understand why we were asking them because they got to participate in the project does that make sense mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it was more about working cattle and actual real things that you did in life to make a living Yes, ma'am. Uh, and, and, and the reality of it is, is even if you are no longer in that lifestyle, if you're not a professional buckaroo, you could strive for you can you can strive for quality of performance in every single aspect of your horsemanship, even if it's just leading with quality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Talk about how important groundwork is. Talk about how much it matters <clears throat> we have quite a lot of people that listen to our show who aren't necessarily horse people yet or they might be they might be thinking about it um i was actually surprised to hear one in three households either wants to have a horse or wants to ride a horse or own a horse or something so we got we got a lot of people who don't have horses that might be trying to learn a little bit so start by explaining why being having things right on the ground before you even get on a horse why that is so important and why it's it matters so much that you don't rush into riding a horse before you have that established on the ground well the 
in a nutshell, what it boils down to is you learn a means and a method of communication. So if you are going to communicate with a 1,200 pound animal, it would make more sense if you could figure out how to move their feet and keep them with you on the ground so that you didn't fall off of your 1200 pound beast <laughs> um the 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 reality of it is is on the ground i can do everything from uh from raiding me like i was a cow to passage and pee off uh i take a lot of my groundwork from the classical schools of dressage and the reality of it is is we learn I can show a baby horse on the ground how to move every single body part. It's a little bit past what people would think groundwork is, but I can actually, uh, I can go actually perform a, perform a job with a horse with me and not have that horse do anything except respond to my feel and go with me everywhere I go. And when I stop, they stop. When I go, they go. Um, they're just like a shadow. That relationship that you develop down there on the ground translates to the saddle to where a horse would just as soon be with you as anything else. And now you got a horse that would never dream of bucking you off or, or, or hurting you in any way, shape or form. Um, it's all possible and it's all doable. Uh, but it starts on the ground to build the confidence in you the confidence in your horse. Does that make sense? It's developing a communication. Absolutely. Because we don't yes, speak the same language, so we have to be able to communicate. Yes. And yes, ma'am. And one of the, oh gosh, at, at a lot of the clinics that I go to, I say something along this line, it is how can you expect your horse to speak English if you can't speak horse and since and since horses i thought you were going to say if you can't speak american and i was going to go oh no i'm in trouble <laughs> <laughs> no ma'am i would i would never uh there there's times when i try to be uh really civilized you know and uh I, my upbringing out in the northern nevada desert where i was crushing rocks for a living with the horses hooves um doesn't necessarily translate into civilization so sometimes i'm really really careful about what i say <laughs> <laughs> it's okay you can't offend me i belong to that group of people you can't offend <laughs> you're safe you can tell me i talk funny if you want <laughs> you talk funny you do not talk funny at I all. I think she uh, does. <laughs> <laughs> I love my co-host. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Uh, 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 the, the, the thing that we try to establish, the whole groundwork thing, if I was to take a baby horse, and I have several of them here at the house right now, that had never been touched by a human being, and I taught those horses how to learn in a way that was mutually beneficial to both of us. Because let's face the facts, people, most people do not need a horse to make a living. It's a recreational item. Mm -hmm. And so back in the olden days when the horses had to make a living, they'd wait till they were five or six and they'd jump up on them and, and then go, go to work. Nowadays, if we teach horses how to learn, where whatever it is you're asking them to do is developmental appropriate, 
And these horses get rewarded for the slightest try. Then we educate the ignorance and reward the slightest tries. Now these little horses don't know how to fail. And that goes on through their whole career. And now you're riding in the Grand Prix and your horse is trying his guts out because he knows if he tries, you're going to give him a little rub. And that's what the groundwork establishes. If you try, I will reward you. If you don't try, we'll push a little more pressure. If you're not sure what to do, I will educate you. And when these horses learn to control their emotions and stay soft, quiet, and relaxed, taking them in the house and sitting them on the couch is just another thing to do just like people <laughs> but hold yes, that hold that thought just for a moment we have to go to break but we're going to come right back with butch and i'm going to ask him a question about one of my horses and see how he responds so stay with Uh-oh. us on the horse talk <laughs> show we'll be back in just a few minutes Now they're going to ask me a hypothetical horse training question. We will be back in just a few minutes. (laughs) This hour of the Horse Talk Show is presented by Palm Chevrolet in Ocala, where the entire team is committed to making your experience in sales and service hassle-free and easier than ever with no games or gimmicks. Come in and visit on Southwest College Road or online at palmchevrolet.com. A second-to-none experience with all the amenities. Palm Chevy, find new roads. This show is brought to you in part by DAC Vitamins and Minerals of Florida. All horses need a solid immune system, excellent joint support, a healthy gut, and DAC has all the vitamins and minerals they need with the NASC stamp of approval. So like them on Facebook now or go to feeddac.com. DAC, it makes a world of difference. The Equine Performance Center Ocala with numerous success stories and featuring the most advanced equine conditioning and rehab equipment available in the world today is striving to be the best in the nation. Find them on the web at epcrehab.com and like them on Facebook now. This show is brought to you in part by Seminole Feed Stores, family owned since 1934. Manufacturing fixed formula horse feeds with mindful monitoring and quality ingredients right here in Ocala in an all-natural, non-medicated feed mill. Seminole Feed, simply the world's best and safest feed. Like them on Facebook now or find them at SeminoleFeed.com. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. Back on the Horse Talk Show, presented by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy experience. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. In the studio with me, Paulette Stout, I'm Louisa Barton, and on the phone we have Butch Mowdy in Idaho, which, by the way, I, I absolutely I love Idaho. I, you know, those potatoes are like as big as Potatoes? A, what the, about the hay? The, but no. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares about you potatoes? Know, I like those potatoes are as big as, as watermelons. <laughs> <laughs> it's the hay. Larson Farms. Sorry, okay, alfalfa. So I, I really want a potato. I actually it's went to... You don't want I'm hungry. What's <laughs> I actually went to Idaho recently, and I went to Idaho, Montana, Utah, and somewhere else. Wyoming? And visited the alfalfa. Yes, and I love Idaho. I had no idea I want to live in Idaho. I really like the potatoes. But if you need, like, a, you know, a storm mucker or something, you know, I'm 
I'm, I'm, I'm there. I thought it was the most beautiful place. It's pretty, it and is. I want the potatoes. It is, without a doubt. Potatoes. It's peaceful. Potatoes. Oh, it was so gorgeous. I drove and drove and drove, and oh, I just kept thinking, I'm boring people to death because I'm stop and Facebook Live and more photos, and probably think people thinking, what's up with her? But you know, we don't have too many mountains here in in the beautiful horse capital. So I was just really enjoying. That was amazing. Uh, okay. We have warm weather all year round. We do. Yeah, we have. Um, we have two it's seasons. Hot and I will not leave Florida. Trust me. Yeah, she doesn't even like the air conditioning. We have to run I for the cameras. I, on the other hand, am English, and so I am hot all the time. I'm freezing. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I loved it there. Yeah. Jack, oh yeah, did you put jacket on? I did. Oh no, you always do. <laughs> so, um, Butch, here's my um, here's my question. So, yes, ma'am. Back in January. I adopted a Mustang. Uh, I was okay. having a rough day and he made me feel better. <laughs> uh -huh. okay. I'm not advising okay. people necessarily to always do adopt That's a horse when a you're having idea. a rough day. <laughs> but um, anyway, I did. I was actually on my way to Home Depot and came home with a Mustang. Long story. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, you can't make up this stuff. I didn't get what I needed at Home Depot. I got a horse instead. But anyway, he was on his third strike and he was a year and like a half old probably. And um, anyway, the night that I got him home, we put him in the round pen. They said, you know, don't, don't mess with him, leave him alone. Just give him hay and water and let him get used to you. I put him in the six foot tall round pen at my house. And that night he colicked. Oh, geez. Oh, yeah. So that whole don't mess with him thing didn't really work for me. I ended up having to give this horse banamine. And actually, my two friends who are both Mustang trainers who've adopted many Mustangs were both unfortunately out of town. So I just had to cope with it. Anyway, I stayed up all night with this horse in the round pen with him, not letting him roll around until he twisted a gut and giving him banamine a couple of times during the night. And, and we got through it. And the next morning, I woke up, and he was asleep on my foot. He had put his head oh, on my foot. And it was really cold. It was like 30-something degrees and freezing. And I had blankets all over me and everything. And, and anyway, I stayed out with him in the round pen all night. And, and we made friends, so although that, that was not the greatest experience, on the other hand, it sort of worked out quite well. Um, and, and now he's like a big dog. He follows me around, and he does everything that I ask him to do, which is really good. Um, in fact, I just point in the direction I want him to go, and he goes, which is great. Yes, ma'am. Um, I took him with my friend, uh, Haley down to an obstacle course, and we walked him through all the obstacles several times, and he did them all really well without even thinking about it, it's fabulous. In fact, I had a halter on him within 24 hours of him arriving at my house, and he'd never had a halter on. Um, if you were me, and you, and this horse is now just over two, two, he's what, two and three months or so, like something along those lines, what is the very next thing that you would do with him? He's done some lunging, he lunges, I picked up all of his feet, picked his feet, he's been groomed and bathed. Um, I put the saddle on him once just to let him feel it, you know, do up the, yes, up the girth, let him just feel what it feels like. I've actually sat on his back on the ground when he's lying down because Haley actually taught him to lie down and roll over. And uh -huh. so I've actually sat on his back when he's uh, on the ground. Um, so what, what is the next step for you if you were working with a horse this young? Um, would you give him another six months? He's, you know, the vet's looked at him and he's very 
Um, you know, he's very stout and, and, and strong. You know, he's a, he's uh -huh. a tough little horse. Um, so, so tell us what the next thing is you would do. Well, if you, if you don't have a problem with a shameless plug. Mm -hmm. No, not at all. Last April 11th, I did a Facebook Live demonstration clinic. Uh, the Horse Expo here got canceled, and it was uh, my gift, if you will. I was going to be one of the people that, that presented all three days at the Idaho Horse Expo. And so the 11th was supposed to be my first day, but the Expo got canceled because of COVID. So to make the long story longer, <laughs> me, we decided to do a Facebook Live groundwork clinic and I, it's 54 minutes long. It's free to watch. You just have to find my page and scroll through till you get to April 11th. And I was working with a black and white Appaloosa stud colt yeah. that I had about 10 days on. And we took it through almost my complete groundwork program. Everything from leading it by the feet to, at the end, sitting on it. Mm -hmm. When I sit on the baby horses, I don't put my weight on them. They come over to the fence and pick me up. I leave my I leave my leg and my hand on the fence and I sit down on their backs and I scratch them with my right hand on the neck and all over their bodies. And the the reality of it is is you could if you can saddle your little horse already and you could get all of the things that I demonstrated in that clinic every I can leg yield them I can I can turn them on the haunches I can turn them on the forehand I can walk they'll stop when I stop they'll go when I go uh, I can uh, actually take a string on a stick and flip it over their backs and, and I call it beating them to a stop but it's not violent mm -hmm. you can send them around there and flip your flag up over their back and they'll just stop mm -hmm. uh, the reality of it is, is if you can get all of those things, every horse that comes on this place, I do the same exact groundwork program, whether it's a three-day eventer or a weanling quarter horse. Mm -hmm. And if your horse is quiet enough and you've got enough response and enough trust to get him through those things, then you could just go to you could just go to having him pick you up on the fence. You sit on his back. You could yield his hindquarters, step his shoulder across, and step off. You can call that the first ride, or you can just sit on him, squeeze him with both legs because he'll know that leg pressure means go forward already. That's part of my groundwork program. Mm -hmm. um, let him take a couple steps, pick straight up on the inside rein. He'll step over. You can step off and rub him. And with any, without any supervision, as long as you could do all of those things, you can just go to riding him. Mm, nice. But you, you definitely have to have all of the things that I outline in this little deal, and it's, it's, it's way more than I could say in this little short radio sphere. But I can control my horse's mind. I can, can they can control their emotions. We teach them to be soft, quiet, and relaxed. And every single thing that you'll see in this little clinic that I do, you can copy exactly while you're sitting on their backs. The thing about my groundwork program is I don't do anything on the ground that I can't copy when I'm sitting on their backs. And uh, it works for every horse, no matter how old they are. And it works for every horse, no matter how green they are. Fantastic. Um, but I, I cannot believe it, but we just got the one minute sign and that means we have to wrap it up 
But the good news is you can go online and find Butch and all of his videos and his website, Equine Kindergarten, uh, and you can follow him. He is a great trainer. He does some absolutely wonderful things with these horses. And uh, as, as uh, one last word, Butch, one little tip for our listeners. The, thank you very much for this opportunity. And if you get a chance to, if you get a chance to check out Equine Kindergarten or me on Facebook, please do so. Um, if you have a question and we didn't touch on it, send me a message. I'll answer. That would thank be you wonderful. very much. Thank you, Butch, very much. We'll be back on the Horse Talk Show in just a few minutes. We're going to take you to Gypsy Gold Farm, and you're going to visit with Aaron and Dennis and all their wonderful Gypsy Vanner horses and mule mums. Stay with us. This hour of the Horse Talk Show is presented by Palm Chevrolet in Ocala. Experience the difference in buying. Palm makes it simple with no pressure, the best sales staff, and lots of inventory. Experience the difference at Palm Chevy in Ocala or online at palmchevrolet.com. Palm Chevy, find new roads. This show is brought to you and bought by Horse Boxes USA, the newest and most advanced way to safely transport your horses in style. Horse Boxes USA comes standard with a backup camera, horse cabin camera, and dual fans. Visit them at JJ Tax Shop on Highway 40 in Ocala or online at horseboxesusa.com. The Equine Performance Center Ocala with numerous success stories and featuring the most advanced equine conditioning and rehab equipment available in the world today is striving to be the best in the nation. Find them on the web at epcrehab.com and like them on Facebook now. World-class equine rehab promoting faster recovery is available at the Equine Performance Center Ocala. Hyperbaric oxygen therapy and underwater treadmill, a saltwater spa, an aquapacer, magna wave, a vibration plate, swimming pool, massage and laser therapies. With post-surgical care, memberships, packages and BOGOs, EPC delivers a rejuvenated horse through proven and innovative rehab. Like Equine Performance Center now on Facebook and find them on the web at epcrehab.com. This show was brought to you in part by TT Distributors, dedicated to bringing their customers the largest selection of quality horse supplements, products, and farrier supplies in Florida at affordable prices. Also online at ttdistributors.com. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. I'm Louisa Barton with the Horse Talk Show, and I'm at one of my very favorite places in the world. No, it's not England, but sometimes you feel like you might be there when you visit the Gypsy Gold Farm Tour here in the horse capital of the world, Ocala, Marion County, Florida. And I'm here with one of my friends, Dennis Thompson, and I'm going to chat to him a little bit about how all this came to be. Uh, Dennis, tell us a story about a trip to England. Well, let me let me go back just a touch. Uh, it's important to know, I was married three months out of high school to a girl I started dating at 15. Four little girls by the time I'm 24. 17 years pass when fate hands me the responsibility of raising those four little girls alone for the next seven years. They were 11 to 16 years old, and I raised them on ranches in South Texas. and. One of my daughters was 19 and she worked at a pet distributor, pet products distributor through my connections, Lone Star Pet Supply. And she called me one day and she said, Dad, we just hired this new woman. She's beautiful. She has 40 parrots and a Porsche. 
she's perfect for you. <laughs> so I met 40 parrots and a Porsche 30 days later at a pet convention in Dallas. And two years later, we were married. And these, we were late to our wedding because we had to stop and look at donkeys, you know. So, yeah, I can relate. Yeah, so these two, <laughs> these two people who shared the same passion came together with nobody to say no. And within five years, we had approximately 700 animals. So giraffe, camels, zebras, giant tortoises, wallabies. We had a zoo. Yeah, yeah. We actually we lived where Paparelli lives now, and uh, but it was set up for exotic animals then. Matter of fact, it was a national television program about our relationship with animals on the Outdoor Life Network. But we traveled all over the world, setting distribution in the animal products industry, and we would spend any personal time doing research on animals. And in 1995, we're outside of London. Uh, on our way to our, to pets at home, being an English girl, you would n not everybody knows that, but chain of stores in England, you know, and uh, we passed the Shire Center. I love the Shire. And uh, you would even know that, but I can't think of the I can't think of the name of the town. But anyway, outside of London, and uh, it's the type of thing we like to do. So we stopped to find out what the hours were, and and uh, they said they're closed for the season. But if you'll come back and have dinner with us in our pub, we'll give you a private tour. So of course, dinner's, uh, dinner's at the pub and we get our private tour by a man named Phil Ball. And Phil's the manager of the center, worked with big horses for 30 years, drove the Courage Brewery Hitch, uh, equivalent of Budweiser in England. And he owned a couple of showers at the center and he had a two-year-old filly he was proud of. But he'd sell us that horse for 1,500 pounds. 1.70 exchange rate at the time, 2,500 US dollars. She looked like 701 to us. We could, be, we could be a little impulsive. But we had never imported a horse, didn't know enough about shires. And Phil told us that even though it's known as the English shire, he said it's the farmers in Northern Wales that have a generational passion for these big horses. So off we go to Northern Wales for the weekend and we spend a lot of time in old stone barns and the breath of the giant horses in the cold air and the accents of the Welsh farmers and wine and cheese at night. I tell people it was terrible, yeah, yeah. So we're on our way through Wales, discussing the cons of only the largest horse in the world. We cross the border from Wales back in England near Oswestry. We're in the countryside and we go through a roundabout and Cindy said, do you see that little black and white horse? And I said, no, do you want me to go back? And she said, no, and then quickly changed her mind. She said, yeah, let's do. So we turned around and went back and parked on the side of the road and the little horse saw us and he came running as hard as he could to say hello to us and we both fell in love with him. He looked like a little shire, didn't have any of the negative features we were just discussing and he was black and white to boot. We thought we'll buy him. We, again, we could be a little impulsive. He was unusual looking. I'd never seen a horse quite like that. I assumed he was a crossbred horse didn't care about that. We liked unique things. We can justify doing something stupid as long as nobody else has one. So we'll buy him. So we drive up the driveway and introduce ourselves to the farmer. And, and I take that picture on the wall back there. Uh, the dog is, the farmer's dog is looking at me and, and uh, Cindy's asking the farmer questions. And, and uh, he explains it's not his horse. He's only keeping it for a few days and it belongs to a traveler. And about 10 minutes on the conversation, he said, and he has a band of mares that looks just like him that he keeps hidden. I said, they can't look just like this horse. 
He said, I assure you they do. And uh, of course, Cindy and I have extensive knowledge on animal breeds. And I don't know a breed that looks like that. And you don't have a lot of something that looks the same unless somebody intends that to happen. And why does he hide them? So we asked if we could meet this man. And the farmer got in touch with him by cell phone. The gentleman came over. And uh, his name was Roy Evans, as in Roy Rogers and Dale Evans. Roy Evans. And uh, we spoke for a few minutes to Roy, and he invited us to his caravan. Took a few steps towards his vehicle, looked back, and said, don't worry, it's respectable. No, nah, I, hadn't, I, hadn't, I hadn't heard that in Amish country. So we got in our car and kind of laughed about it and said, some things are worth dying for. We'll follow this guy, you know. So we followed Roy to a, a caravan site, which is a gypsy camp. We didn't know then, but later we found out in 1968 there was an act called the Caravan Act, and it was an effort to settle these nomadic, colorful people. And now, frankly, uh, Great Britain did what we did to the American Indian. They created reservations. So there's 100 of them throughout Great Britain. They're called caravan sites in England. They're called halt sites in Ireland. You can halt here and you can halt at the next one. Just don't halt in between. So it's a way of controlling a, right. a colorful culture. And we, we didn't know it, but the general public doesn't go in caravan sites. And the police don't go in caravan sites unless they're in pursuit. So we could go anywhere because we didn't know that. So it's called ignorance is bliss. <laughs> but it was a chain-linked, locked area, and Roy unlocked it. And we spent the day with Roy and his wife, and they couldn't have been any nicer. They made us tea and gave us cookies, and Roy took us out and showed his babies his stallion produced. He bragged on his horse all day. And he told us he had mares that were 40 miles from there that his brother didn't know where they were. And he didn't explain why, and I didn't ask. And towards the end of the day, he said he's a one-off. He said, look all you want. He said, you won't find any better. And if you do, he said, he's going to cost you a lot of money. He said, I'll tell you a place where you'll see hundreds of colored horses, but none as good as mine. He said, you go there, and then you call me after you go there. You tell me if you found one as good as mine. He said, don't forget to call me. So through Roy's invitation, Cindy and I became the first Americans to ever attend the oldest gypsy horse fair in the world, over 330 years old, called Appleby. 10,000 gypsies gather on a hill called Fair Hill to reacquaint with family and friends and trading horses. And we were there for 10 days, obsessed with identifying every gypsy that bought or sold a quality looking horse. We introduced ourselves, documented contact information, which would be cell phones, and thereafter began a journey to understand gypsies and their horses that lasted the next four years. We traced Roy's horse, his name was The Log, uh, through three countries. We found his mother and father in Wales, his grandparents in Ireland, all raised by gypsies, focused on producing a horse to look like The Log, uh, born from a vision that was not known anywhere in the world outside the world of gypsies. We stood overlooking the Irish Sea with the log's DNA verified father and the gypsy that raised him, and he pointed to a clearing under a tree and said he was born right over there. He said, I'll never forget the day he was born. I held him in my arms, and I knew he was special. He said he's the best colt I ever raised. And he took us in his caravan that day and uh, gave us a book on Appleby Horse Fair and showed us a picture of the log being ponied through the River Eden and Appleby. That, in 1992, I think it was, he was the highest priced colt in all of Great Britain at that same 300-year-old uh, horse fair.
What an incredible adventure. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. We have to break, yeah. but I'm going to be back with Dennis Thompson at Gypsy Gold Farm and give you the rest of this incredible story. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show. Back on the Horse Talk Show. I hope you enjoyed the, uh, the Gypsy Gold uh, Farm uh, second, second episode. Poor lads can't be cracking up. Behind me, Horseween, October 29th, Ocala Downtown Market, horses in costumes, wrapped candy, vendors, used tack, horse products, lots of good stuff. And the only thing you need to do is tell me, should I be Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz or should I be the Scarecrow? You can choose. What Comment about the below. Lion? Oh, we've got the lion. My mini's going to be the lion. Oh, what about the tin man? We're going to get a tin man. What about Toto? We need a little dog called Toto. But if we don't close Toto. up, I'll be over time. So thank you very much for tuning in. We've had a great show. Whether you're in Ocala, Marion County, Florida, the horse capital of the world or not, happy horsing around until the same time next week. Like and share. <laughs>